Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Adam. So nice to see you today. <laughs> Tell me, I always figure, like we always come in, we do this on Thursday mornings and I never ask you, how was drop off? <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. It is actually on Thursdays because I have not only our kids, but I have our neighbor kid. And so we have a car full of kids and energy and I love Thursday mornings because oh. I have everybody. How about when you forget your computer and have to go back home and get it? Yes, I did. I forgot about that part. Conveniently. Yes, I forgot the computer, which is the main thing of our podcast. We need it in order to record our podcast. I was also in lockdown in carpool. Once you're in carpool and you're 100 cars back, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> so I was trying to think of all the different ways. Maybe I could call a teacher or text a teacher and just say, hey, can you do me a solid right now? And just take the kids so I can run home and make it to work on time or ask a friend. But I didn't. I just waited in line. And then I had our two coffees in the car. So it's not like I could speed home and go get my computer. I had to drive really, really slow because the coffees are not conducive to putting in the, the little coffee. hole. Yeah, they're too big. Too so I had to hold two coffees and drive extremely carefully and slowly to get to the house. And then actually I get to the house and I see that the kids spilled one of their snacks all over the floor. And I was like, who lives like this? So I'm clear. <laughs> How many times do we have to answer the question that we live like that? No, I mean, is it surprising no, at this point? we don't. But anyway, okay. So I made it here on time. <laughs> well, for what it's well, worth. Well, that's not true. I didn't make it here on time by any stretch of the imagination, but I made it here. I like it. When you're frazzled, it yes. like calms me down. <laughs> Like it still allows me to just be more relaxed. Actually, that's our magic. Whenever we see someone who is frazzled or stressed out, you and I get, I mean, ungodly calm, right? Yeah. There's something just, we secure. We kind of like it. It's like a heavy blanket. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, now I can sink in. Okay, what are right, we doing let's today? Let's move on because we're already late. Okay, what so do you got? today we are talking about the fear of failure. And I thought that this came about because... I was doing a meditation and I was doing a meditation on conquering fear. And I started looking into it because I realized all this time I thought I had already conquered a really big fear that I had. And then I realized, wow, I'm not out of the forest yet. I didn't realize mm -hmm. that. So let's go back a little bit. So phobias in America, 19 million people have some sort of phobia, whether it's mild, moderate, severe. I don't think that's such a high number. I do because like I think 360, I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but like million people. Ah. Within that, we have 31% who have a fear of failure. That's what I was really, really getting at. Yeah. To me, fear of failure or fear of success even, that's like part of the growing curve, the growth curve. Like that's part of growing up in developmental psychology. Okay. But how about those of us who can't get out of that muck? Well, yeah. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. Like right. Once we realize our mind has put so much attachment on the outcome of what it's petrified of, right? Like if I'm right. a failure, oh my God, if I'm a success, ah, oh, what is that going to mean? I don't want the pressure. It's paralyzing. That's paralyzing. Yeah, right. totally. 
So I had realized that I knew that I had a fear of failure many, many, many years ago. And I have gone through the ups and downs and worked through it. And I thought that I had a pretty big breakthrough about two years ago where, and I'll tell my story in a bit, but I thought I had a really, really big breakthrough. And in the meantime, I realized the other day, not so much, but a couple levels up. Yes, I've made progress. I've made growth. But like I said in the beginning, I'm not out of the woods. So can I interrupt for a second? You may. Because it immediately brings me to a magic seed that so many times, and I hear it every day, and I think it's just normal human condition, is we're trying to grow past our limitations, right? And right. our self-sabotaging behaviors and limiting beliefs. And so I just took a huge breath. <laughs> I have to remember to breathe. And basically, when we do this, the mind just wants to not be where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. The mind is desperate to get to this fantasy land where everything's going to be perfect all the time and we never have to deal with hard emotions, hard feelings, hard sensations. And when invariably, when we make a breakthrough, right? Like I think a couple of years ago, you did have a breakthrough. I thought so. I don't think it takes away from the breakthrough. I think where we all go wrong is once we have a breakthrough, the mind is so desperate to be out of that muck that we were in that it makes an absolute statement, like just it completely. I'm queen of that, actually. <laughs> you are queen. I of am. Yes. And it's just like, I'm done. Oh, my God. Thank God. I am done with that. Oh, now I never have to feel fear again. <laughs> type of thing. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> right. But yet we don't question it. We're just so happy not to be in that state we were in. And then invariably, like you found, and like I find and everyone finds when we have our first breakthrough, that's just like, say like the first 10% of us breaking through. It's like a layer of an onion. It's just a layer, but we get too excited. I like to think of it like, imagine you're running a marathon, right? But instead of being a person that literally crosses the line in a millisecond, like imagine you were like a 50 yard long snake. Okay. And it's like, so the head passes the finish line, but you're not really past it until the tail is past the finish line. And so when the head goes past the head, the mind is like done. And then when the tail is like, wait a second, I'm still feeling this stuff. I got stuff to do. The mind's like, no, I'm done with that. And we squash it down and we stop the progression and allowing the rest of us to make the journey. So as far as I'm concerned, you're just finally going back for your tail. Well, maybe even the body. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at right now, but I will say that I really prided myself when I was little. I mean, I was always told I was fearless, right? I mean, it drove my parents crazy. My mom always used to say, you're making me go gray because I didn't care about anything. And I really thought that I didn't fear anything. And when I look at my past, it's true. A lot of things just, they don't affect me. And a lot of things today don't affect me. I don't really think of it. I don't get stressed out very easily. However, there are some bumps that I've mentioned in other podcasts. And if I have to go back, I'm like, where did this start? I have to go back to my brother's friend. I do. And you know what? I think that in my journey, I have to let that go. I don't know how I haven't let that go. He's so insignificant to me. He's not even a part of my life. But so my brother in college, my brother's friend stayed with me just for a night. I think you tell this in our pilot episode. Maybe in the pilot episode, as well as every story, every podcast, as well as the ayahuasca podcast. I believe I mentioned it. But I mean, obviously, I've got some hooks in there. And for what? It's a label though. Labels are labels. Like if you put a label on a package, it doesn't just come off by itself. Well, come on. I mean, I think I'm bigger than that, but this kid, and he literally was a kid at the time. And I was a kid at the time, what, 18, 19, 20. And when he met me, because he was supposed to be staying over at my house, my brother set it up. 
And when we met each other, he said, oh, you're the F up of your family. And so for whatever reason, that statement just really, really stuck with me. So, okay, I know what my work is right now. Like that's coming to the surface. All right. I know my work is there. I think that's where it all started because it certainly wasn't my upbringing. If anything, my parents really built me up. And even if I did fail, they would never have let on to it. (laughs) I never felt like a failure. So now let's rewind about 20 years ago, maybe. But when I had started Awakenings Health Institute, it was the fitness and wellness center for neurological disorders. And it was a nonprofit. And for whatever reason, I thought I could do this. And I had the business expertise and I was some big shot that could do this and start a nonprofit. And for the record, you had zero business experts. Zero. I mean, I did some stuff in college, but certainly not. Like not, what? You mean like sold drinks to underage people? Like what did you have? I had a cleaning business in college <laughs> for shy. the professors as well as uh, personal training. So but I had one, a direct one connection person. with the professors. But I'm saying one person, meaning like you weren't in charge of, you no, weren't running a business. It was charge. a one yeah. person show. Right. But I mean, you have to start somewhere. Of course. Okay. And be that fearless and to say, hey, I'm going to clean your houses and I'm going to train you and I know what I'm doing in in college. I mean, all right. So whatever. So I felt like (laughs) I had something and you have to start somewhere. And it wasn't just the business. It was, these are people who are paralyzed from a traumatic injury. So in a blink of an eye, their lives were changed. That's an understatement. That's an understatement, right? This is all in hindsight. But I don't really know what my goal was for them. It evolved into quality of life and giving them a better life and kind of building them up so that they can, so to speak, get back on their feet in life because it's so traumatizing and it really kicks you to the ground once you're confined to a wheelchair. And But their goals were different. And there was a major Mm-mm. dissonance. This is all hindsight, but there was a major dissonance between what their goals were. And I wasn't really sure what my goals were because my experience was I had a spinal cord injury. I was paralyzed. I was told I would never walk again. And I walked again. So I thought, well, if I put the same time and dedication into these people, maybe they'll walk again. So, but that wasn't happening. Wait, but I'm confused. I need some clarification. here. That's fine. Because you were working first as a trainer at another Uh, facility for spinal cord injuries. Yes. And I thought part of the reason you left or the main reason you left that to do it on your own was because it was disgusting the way they were kind of like dangling this carrot of we're going to get you to walk again. We're going to get you to walk again. And they used you as the carrot. I was going to say I was the carrot. I was. He would say, hey, Laura, walk on over here as soon as a new family would come and check it out. So then I walk over there and that stunk. So, mm-hmm. and I realized that it was being exploited, right? right? My recovery was being exploited. And the fact that literally not everybody is the same and the chances of getting up and walking again, I mean, very small. Well, so did I clarify your... Well, no, because then I thought then you started Awakenings because you didn't want... you First, you wanted to do it as a nonprofit because you know that these people yes, would then be they were they were being so robbed. desperate right. that they were going to literally empty every ounce of resource they had And then it was going to be a year later, two years later, and they're still in their chair. I thought I could get funding. And right. So you wanted to do that, but you also didn't want to exploit the fact that I was walking again. But But you didn't even want to promise. You didn't want to say, hey, forget about exploiting you. You didn't want to make it only about walking. I didn't. But when you're so desperate for an answer, 
when they would come in, it's like a person who doesn't take no for an answer. They couldn't see that. Well, yeah, you can't see past the desperation. You can't see past it. And you have a whole family who comes in. All they want is for their child mm-hmm. to walk again. So it doesn't matter what we say. All they heard and all they saw was, this girl is going to get them to walk exactly. again. She's going to yeah, exactly. do what she did for my child. Listen, I think you're an exceptional person. I wouldn't have married you if I didn't think you're an exceptional human being. Thank but you. there's, so it's not just that you're walking. Like there, you have a certain appeal and a certain draw, a magnetism to yourself. And I think what made Awakenings, I won't even say successful, just the fact that we were able to stick around for 10 years. It wasn't successful. That's part of my problem, Adam. Yeah, but we weren't business people. We were just really dedicated, passionate practitioners. And we gave a great product, but we never were able to secure the funding. I couldn't get the funding. But yet there was funding enough to keep it going for like 10 years. It was my funding. It was your funding. <laughs> it was my funding that ran us dry. I mean, it ran dry. Right. It wasn't sustainable. It wasn't public funding. And there's the failure. I couldn't get the funding. I couldn't convince people in the community to help these people because... The changes were so small that it wasn't sexy enough for them. It wasn't a sexy product. It just right. wasn't. They're like, and, oh, you get to move your finger now? Uh, I need to see more than that. And, I want to see someone walking with my dollar. And they needed therapy for life. And if you're injured at 16 or 18 years of age and nobody dies anymore, who's going to sit there and fund that? It's Only exorbitant. someone who is emotionally invested, like a parent, Towards the end, we kind of smartened up a little bit and Mm -hmm. we were helping them put on fundraisers as the way to kind of garner that money. But for them, it just, listen, it was a poor business model and you took it very personally. Yes. Well, I did because my life crumbled. So not only did the business fail, the business plan failed. My goals, I don't know if I'm using the correct words, but my vision for the people who came through the doors failed. Because I had to close the doors, they couldn't continue on the kind of therapy that they needed daily for a lifetime. That's a failure. I mean, literally everywhere I looked, I was kicked to the ground. I really felt like I was kicked to the ground. And not only that, I not only felt like I failed the clients, I felt like I failed the families and parents. And then, well, I guess just that. Uh, maybe I forgot my thought too, but Again, I just felt like I you failed, failed them in the sense that they had, like you said, you, we could sit there till we were blue in the face and be like, hey, we will meet you on the physical level and we are able to do anything anyone else can do to help you walk again or regain function. But massive, but overall, we want to help you find some peace along the way. So regardless of where you get, but like you said, as much as they might be like, "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 and they're just like going right back to the physical, there was nothing you could have done. Like you showed up. It was amazing. Honestly, we weren't together. We weren't romantic in any capacity. Um, No flirting. Like there was just nothing between us. And so for I think about five years, six, seven years, whatever it was, where there was nothing, I just watched you as a professional. And I would treat you with acupuncture and tell you, hey, you're going to have a heart attack pretty soon. <laughs> but there was what you provided was amazing. You were a matriarch. People just felt safe with you and they just believed in you and you didn't fail them in that capacity. I was draining their wallets and then I closed the door so they no longer had a place to go. And a community was built there. And mm-hmm. I feel like I failed the staff because the staff was so dedicated mm-hmm. that they went to poverty. Everybody went to poverty because they were so dedicated Mm -hmm. to the place and then they couldn't get paid. And I remember. (laughs) We all remember. And I felt like on all levels, a really strong community was built. A strong community for me was built because it was a family for sure. It was. But it was a family with terrible boundaries and structure. 
It was. It was young. And I had felt like for years after my injury, so I had started to walk and I felt like I wasn't a part of any world. I wasn't a part of the spinal cord injury world and I wasn't part of the able body world. Mm. And I maybe even still to this day, I don't really feel like I'm a part. That, that. means you're defining yourself by physical ability. I do. I mean, there you go. I know it's a big hook. And so that was a huge community for me because I felt like I could offer something and almost be a hero for somebody and give advice. But in the able-bodied world, I was a nobody anymore. So because right. I wasn't good at sports anymore. Well, you anymore defined and- yourself. You were an athlete through and through. Like That right. was your primary identity. Let me ask you a question because this came up yesterday. This is current events. What came up yesterday? Can I talk about the sticks? Yeah, sure. Okay. When it gets cold, right? I mean, your body doesn't regulate temperature still, right? And people always ask me like, well, she's walking. I'm like, well, there's detriment, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you walk away unscathed. And one of them is cold, just sends you into spasm and just things lock up. And aging, I think. And age, And right. not working out. I mean, All the above has been happening lately. And so I think a year ago, maybe two years ago, you were like, huh, I'm like, you're- I'm slowing down. So you started using walking sticks, Uh walking poles, hiking sticks, hiking sticks, because the hip flexors don't work that great. And it helps you clear and it helps you actually engage muscles. You actually get a better workout. And I don't fall. And you don't fall. And I think yesterday or two days ago, you were walking like that. And our oldest, Callie, was with you. And she's so sweet and she has such a tender heart. And she cares way too much about everything. And what did she say to you? What did she ask you? It was very cold yesterday and I had a long distance to walk. We were walking into a building from the car. So I kept the car nice and warm, which by the way, Ananda complains about all the time. (laughs) She's just going to reject me one day. But I kept it nice and warm and kept my legs nice and warm and my body nice and warm. And then I was just dreading the walk because I saw how far we had to walk. And I was a little afraid to grab the sticks because I had used it the night before and I could see that Callie was embarrassed a little bit, so much so that she decided not to walk with me and then stay outside. I got inside so I could get warm and I had a hiking stick with me and she stayed outside for a while. So it didn't register to me then, but now I know why. And then last night I was dreading the walk and I knew if I could just use the hiking stick that it would be a lot better. I'm afraid of falling and wiping out because one time I did a few years ago and shattered my hand. And so that was awesome. Yeah, really awesome. So I got out. I made sure that I put on my winter jacket and I made myself like visualize that walk and put everything out of my mind except for what I had to do to get my legs up and walk. Uh Totally. It's exactly like Legends of Bagger Vance. And I started walking and I realized I can't do this. I'm about to fall. And so I grabbed Callie's hand so like she could support me a little bit. And I said, I'm sorry, honey, I should have just grabbed my stick and walked in with it. And I knew I had a long walk in the school, in the high school to get to where we needed to go. So I just, in all counts, I just knew that I would not be able to do this. And I'm afraid of how I look as well, because I look ridiculous when I don't use the stick. And so I said, I'm sorry, I should have grabbed the stick. And maybe I was already too far. Like I had to walk too far to the car and I was afraid of walking back to the car. Anyway, and Callie had said, hey, mom, can I ask you a question? And she said, are you ever embarrassed when you have to use the stick? And I said, well, I used to be when I started using them, but I'm not anymore. I got pretty comfortable. I said, hey, Cal, can I ask you a question? Sure, mom. And uh, I said, are you embarrassed when I use the stick? And she said, no. I said, it's okay, honey. You can be honest with me. And she's like, well, yeah, yeah, I am embarrassed, actually. So then I thought, well, crap, now I can't use the sticks anymore because I don't want to embarrass our children. But that's just not teaching the lesson. I know it's not, but that's my own crap and I'll have to get over that. 
Okay. So, I mean, listen, I will freely admit, I don't think there's anyone more superficial than me. Equal me. We could play this on the true. same playground, <laughs> but I don't think there's a Which playground. Which is why I feel so comfortable about the things I say, because it doesn't even hold a match to you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> the way I see it is like, say there's three layers of life, right? Uh-huh. Like the mind, body, and soul, the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, all those, whatever. I mean, we have so many bodies, energetic bodies and physical body. And I don't think there's a hierarchy to them. Wherever you like playing, play. But don't play on one to think it's your identity. Like I'm superficial, but not for a second, hopefully. And I'm sure there's things, I mean, I've had to get over so many things. I'm sure there's more I'm going to have to get over. But I think it's okay to be superficial as long as you're not bypassing your identity to the root of your being, which is beyond form. And then it's okay. But all you're saying is, yeah, part of you is still stuck on the form part. And you know, you do so much work to come home to that inner part. I do. And I do so much work to not allow the normal eye to see my injury. I mean, Mm. I still, it's 30 years later, I work out every day so that I don't have a weird gait because every so often life gets the better of me and I can't work out. And someone will come up to me and say, why are you limping? Oh, I mean, do you even know what I do in a day? Didn't something happen at Home Depot? That guy, he said something. He said, oh, I'm a physical therapist. Oh, totally. He's like, oh, your knee. Yeah, he said, Did you, can I ask you a personal question? Did you hurt your knee? I'm like, no guy. <laughs> Piss off. No, I'm just kidding. Piss off, I fractured my C5, C6 vertebrae, spinal cord injury, jerk. You have no idea what I do <laughs> in a day. So anyway, yeah, I'm still, absolutely, I'm still very, very stuck on the way I look. And I thought I had some really, really major breakthroughs last year and just, about loving myself and accepting right. my body and the way it moves and the way it looks. I did, but I'm still so many layers of that onion. So and, let's then now bring it back to, we're talking about like how fear paralyzes us right. and okay. prevents us from moving forward. Because I know you, I would say as well as anybody. You do. And I don't question you for a millisecond. Like, I don't doubt your intention to want to lead an egoless life and you just want to be able to align yourself as much with source so you can provide for this world, right? So you can offer a gift to this world. I'm not even putting that on the bench here, I'm on the stand, but like all of us, you have the hangups, right? Yes. So a couple of years ago, I thought I had talked about how I had this major breakthrough and one of them, it was, I realized that everything that happened with Awakenings Health happened for a reason. And there were still ways for me to help that community. I really, I honestly feel like my purpose in life is to do something for that community, right? I don't know what it is. And this is one of the parts where I'm paralyzed because I saw all the gaps because we saw so many people. Whereas before Awakenings Health, I just saw my gaps, right? And the gaps within the spinal cord injury community, the brain injury, traumatic brain injuries, that whole neurological community. I saw all the gaps, societal gaps and how people act awkwardly to people. They don't know how to act. The medical field, how they don't know what to do. So they stuff them in a corner with pain meds. Just there was just so many gaps. I got to see that because we had so many people come through the doors. I know my purpose in life is to do something for them and help them. So I thought a couple of years ago, I came up with an idea for a machine, but then I realized all the hurdles and I'm just one person and a small person, just like Awakenings was. So it was another slam. I don't think you got slammed. I think you stopped. 
I stopped because I realized I'm one person and I can't make this happen with a family. And I question whether that's an excuse. The amount of time and devotion. If I was single, maybe I could put it into it. It was too big of a mountain for me. I call BS. You never even climbed the mountain. Like if you would have started climbing the mountain and then people were like, we need you this, we need you that. Then you say, whoa, this is. I had a bunch of people who told me this was an impossible task. And it got to me because I realized that the people who told me the nonprofit was an impossible task. And I didn't want to take that risk with who I put as a priority in my life right now. I put mm-hmm. our family as a priority in our life right now. But you didn't even it's test not, it. You didn't even test it to see if you could then support, create a supporting cast. I didn't have the energy. There you go. Right. Okay. okay. So, and also to be quite honest with you, I want to fail again. <laughs> there uh-huh. you go. There you go. This is so easy for and me today. And something there that haunts me is that the spinal cord injury world came into my world again about a year ago. And I realized I'm one person and I can't help him. Right. So he was too big. He was just physically, I'm almost 50. Like physically, (laughs) I cannot help you anymore. And I don't have that strength and endurance. And it's always plaguing me. And then so, so it was convenient because he got out of my life. And I thought, all right, good. Like, I don't have to look at this monster in my life anymore. But again, the other day, it showed up again and another spinal cord injury came into my life. And when they come into my life, I am like, you saw me. The, I mean, mm-hmm. I am like taken to the ground because I feel so guilty that I was given a gift. I really do. I feel like I was given a gift when I had a spinal cord injury. I got up and walking and I think that maybe I can make a difference. I don't know what that difference is. But every time it's conveniently taken out of my life, it's brought back into my life and I'm brought to the ground. I just am. I think about how awakenings came into my life before even the facility that I worked at came into my life because I wanted nothing to do with spinal cord injury, right? I didn't even want people to know that I had spinal cord injury. I wanted just to erase it from my mind. And then a man pulled up in a wheelchair and he said he had a spinal cord injury. And for days I just cried because I felt so guilty that I wasn't doing something for this community. So I don't know. I still feel like I'm a failure. I haven't done anything for them and I know I'm supposed to. I know it's like my God-given gift. If you believe in that, I believe in that. I believe I was given a gift. I really do. When I won't mention names, but there's people (laughs) who, let's just say they live, their love turns to worry. And then they think that their worry is actually love. But to me, it's love transformed. And in that same sense, the guilt, if guilt drives your actions, like what if there wasn't the guilt there? There would just be the love there, the passion there, the purpose there. So what do you have to do then to take the guilt out of the recipe? That's another hurdle. This is my past week, what I realized, what my work is. My work is to get past the fear of failure and to get past the guilt because I am ridden with guilt. I mean, my days I realized are led by guilt. It's the kids, they'll say something like, I am driven. No, I'm not just ridden by guilt. I'm driven by guilt. I am aware. I know you are aware. (laughs) I honestly, I silently suffer through the actions you take. I know. Based on guilt. I know. So I know my work is around that. And also, I mean, I've got guilt that I'm going to embarrass my children, our children, by using a hiking stick to walk and to make it from point A to point B. I mean, this is ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. So on all (laughs) counts, I'm afraid I'm going to fail in business again, 
which is why I think it's been so hard for me to start up here at this Awakenings Health and like mm-hmm. what my job is to do with Awakenings Health. I'm afraid of failing the SCI community again. And that was brought up within the last week of, all right, what can I do for them and how can I not fail again? You're posing everything about failure or, and then like think about where failure and guilt are born. I have to get past the fear of failure and I have to get past the guilt and then I can start devising a plan for a business and also to help the SCIs and to teach our kids how to take action from a place of genuinely spiraling up and out rather than a reaction to guilt or fear to beliefs. Isn't it a beautiful gift that at one time we had a dog with three legs that oh. the children got to see her function, not only function in life, she but to be a rock best. star. And isn't it a gift for our children to see a mom have some sort of... You don't have to tell me, tell you. Maybe disability. <laughs> they have a grandmother with a disability. Like, it's, Of course it's, a it's gift. good. I know. And it can teach the kids empathy. It can teach the kids how to help people. Right. So you're seeing the positive side, but you're limited by these deep-seated beliefs you have. Yes. That's all it is. These insubstantial, unsubstantial forms that are beliefs and perspectives. The hurdles. And when you just unconsciously allow them to exist, thinking, well, if this perspective is in me, it must be true. I must need to satisfy this. I must need to like solve this. You don't. But I'm not going to do that. So these are different things that now today have surfaced that I realize, okay, now I need to chop down those. Like I've got to delve into them. And like you said, it's an opportunity for growth. It's Mm -hmm. an opportunity for growth for me, for our family, for our kids. So I know it's an opportunity maybe even for the neurological community that maybe I can do something. I mean, I'm not naive to the fact I've got so much information. I have literally spent every day for 30 years studying this, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I have like the best example in front of me all day long. I'm never not reminded of this. And you're super conscious. Like you're so ridiculously conscious and I'm always trying to troubleshoot, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, if I can't help these people, I mean, who can? I mean, a doctor who has studied it for four years, 20 years ago, is not going to be able to help them. That's why they're putting them in a corner and giving them pain meds. So anyway, this is ridiculous. So, okay, let's bring this. So what's my plan? Okay, what is your plan? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's two parts that stand out to me. One is it comes back to, this is for anyone in any walk of life trying to do anything. Well, to conquer a fear. This is for anyone who's conquering a fear. Right. So it comes back to like, so when fear or guilt come or shame comes, like when these emotions come up that literally worry, that shape the actions we take or don't take, it's coming back to the origin, coming back to the why. Why am I taking this action? And for me, the only thing, and this is obviously one of the gifts from ayahuasca ceremonies of when mama doing the cycles and do that whole go have fun and play when it's no longer fun and play and you're trying or it feels pressured or there's shame or whatever it is. Stop trying, let go, be still, come back to love, give that love a direction, right? So that's coming back to the why. If you can come back to love and then give that love a direction, which is say, I want to help the SEI community or I want to be a better listener. It could be on anything. I want to learn a new language. It doesn't even matter, right? I mean, just like I want to be a better human being. When you come back to that why, it should come from that place of love where you get to say, you get to create an environment, a bubble that says, if it's me, like, hey, little Adam, if you want to help the SEI community, okay, I'll do that with you. I just want you to know, I don't care what happens. I don't care what becomes of it, what doesn't. If you're telling me you want to do this, I am going to stop it at you get to express that desire. 
Whatever happens or doesn't happen, we'll use as data to improve upon it and see what we want to do and see where are the viable outlets to do this. But I promise you, it is, I'm dedicating my life to making sure that the pressure from expectation and judgment, right, the guilt and the shame and fear and everything else, that doesn't have to be part of this recipe. And then go have fun and play, little Adam. And then little Adam inside my soul is like, ooh, that feels good. Wow, you're not putting pressure on me, dad? I just get to do this just because? It's like, yeah. But my mind is like, what do you mean? We have to make sure it's successful. What do you mean? We have to make sure we don't look stupid. And it's like, oh, I hear that too to my soul. I hear that. I hear your, your brother, little Adam, saying it, he really cares about all this other stuff. I just want you to know you don't have to believe that anymore. And when that happens, it takes a long time and I have to be vigilant. I have to come back to that place maybe 18 times in a day because mm-hmm. at first the muscle of the mind is so much stronger than the muscle of the king, right? Yes. And so that becomes the first step is to make sure I don't take action from any place other than, Adam, if you love this, I am going to protect you and you could do it out of love. And the second it's not coming from that place, please give me anxiety. Please feel guilt. Please like feel the thing that shows me I've disconnected. I will stop. I won't make you take any more action. We'll release the guilt. We'll release the shame. We'll release the fear. And when we can come back to love, I'll let you start over again. And then literally after, say, like a thousand restarts, slowly I start being able to maintain that place of just go have fun and play a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And it takes more to throw me off my path. That's what it is. And that's for anybody, for everything in any walk of life. If you're going to take an action, it's normal. I can't even tell you. I used to not do anything out of love. Zero. I was way too self-conscious, way too worried about how it was going to look, way too worried about how people were going to view it, that I literally didn't allow one action I took to come from a place of love. My mind was driving everything. I mean, that was my baseline. It took me years to undo that. And I'm not naive enough to think there's no more of that in me. Of course there is. But that's my goal. That's what I do. That's the walk I walk is just to say, huh, when I find a place that I'm coming from worry, expectation, judgment, fear, stop it, let go, do my release and come back to that love I know I have inside and let that be the driving force. Here's my plan. Here's what I plan on doing. I need something tangible. Like I need, like I'm a visual person. I need to drop a list, right? Of what my fears are, right? And that is like the autumn that we talk about is laying everything out on the table. I'm going to look at that list. That's the harvest because that's the like, you're taking stock of all the apples on your tree. So I'm going to look at what my fears are. And then I'm going to extract the positive and I'm going to let go of the negative, right? So extract the positive. I know my purpose. I do. I like to the inner cells of myself. I know what my purpose is. I know why I have gone on the journey that I've gone on. So it's come up too many times in my life not to. And then I am going to sit there and let some sort of plan come about and create a plan. But have you released at that point that you're doing this? Because your purpose, again, like most people are doing things that are aligned with their purpose. That's not the issue. The issue is that it got like at the last second, let's just say, before you put it in the oven, they threw in an ingredient of pressure, expectation. Well, that's just it. We we already identified I'm ridden with guilt and I'm ridden with fear of failure. So that's my release. But that you can't just saying it. And that's what the mind wants. Oh, oh. now that I've claimed, now I've I put my finger, I found the apple, right? I found the rotten apple on my tree. Now I'm just going to move forward. Like you still have to let it out of your viscera. Absolutely. I'm not afraid to do my work. But the fact that this has come to surface and I'm able to recognize what the problem is, I, I was never aware of what the problems were. 
maybe two years ago, I thought, oh, I'm out in the clear. Right. Or you did it once and then your mind said, let's put it away now. Right. Totally. But I'm clearly not done because Mm -hmm. if someone comes into my life with a spinal cord injury and it creates the reaction that it does still today, 30 years later, there's something there. Of course. Right. So, and also the fact that it's very hard for me to gain traction with a business as well. Right, well, you start seeing really hard you have me. self-sabotaging behaviors that are based on these beliefs that your mind can't get past. So, I mean, that's my plan. I'm not afraid to do the work. Some stuff has really, really come up to the surface and I'm not afraid to look at that stuff. That's my plan. I mean, so that's even a huge magic seed. Again, like that whole like you have to let the body and the tail cross the finish line is don't be afraid or don't be so certain. Don't be so quick to say you're past something. Don't be so quick to say you're done. Right. right? Like you you might still have the body and the tail to cross. I've been doing this for so long that sometimes I feel like maybe I forget what it's like, even though I work with people every day. Like I'm like, ah, you just do this. This is what you do. Because I've done it so much, I believe in it. I know it works. I'm more comfortable with it. So at this point, even though I know when I'm actually facing my fears, it's an SHIT show. It first gets me. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, this is my crap. And then I have to let go and do all the stuff. But in general, when I'm just like neutral, I can't wait to be shown my blind spots because I already know what's going to happen on the back end. I already know I'm going to take that. I'm going to shake it out. It's going to be a hellacious process. I was going to say the blind spot. It's a tough process. Yeah, but of course, and you go through it enough times. It's like going through mm-hmm. an ayahuasca ceremony. You know like, there's a light. It, you know you're going to get through it and you know you don't even want to resist it. Parts of you are going to be resisting it, mm-hmm. right? I can't make my mind shut off and be like, oh yes, let's do this. Right. But I know I want to see it through because the space that it clears on the inside And then that I already have a formula of how I want to treat myself. So I already know what I'm going to put into that space after. I already know I'm going to frame my life around self-love, acceptance, support, and valuation. So the more space I clear out, the more I get to love myself in that space that I couldn't love myself before. That's just going to happen. I don't know what's going to become of it. I don't know. I can't control outcomes, but I can control loving myself. It's not like you have to even prove it. Like loving yourself, people think it's this hard thing. It's as simple as loving an animal. If you're an animal lover, it's like, of course I love this animal. It's not like, like, how do I love myself? Like you just start doing it in the face of the, resi- the inner resistance. When the mind's like, you don't deserve this. You know, you're a piece of crap. Yes. And right there. So I find myself often getting blindsided right? Because I'm so aloof. But and if there's anyone out there that is like me, where you're not necessarily paying attention, those red flags of watch your reactions. What are your reactions? And if they're off, those are your red flags. That's your starting point, right? So my red flag with Callie was, I don't want to embarrass my kids. I'm not going to use something that's going to help me walk for God's sake. And what if, and, and it almost did happen, my foot got caught in the high school. I didn't pick up my foot. And had I been using the hiking stick, it would not have happened. But I almost wiped out walking down a hall with my three children in front of a hundred people. Like, what's worse? Right. And you've already shattered your hand doing that before. Right. But I mean, what's worse? I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass them. Is me falling in front of a hundred people in front of the girls a little bit more embarrassing? Yes, I think so. Or how about my reaction when I bumped into somebody with a spinal cord injury? That's a red flag. If it brought me to my knees and I'm crying for three days, that's a reaction. Like, smart up, wake up, wake up a little bit. And And it's not even just a negative charge. I can't tell you how many times I stopped myself. And this was a hard one to learn. because You learned it with the music, the music in ayahuasca. 
It's the positive charge as well. It's the positive charge as well. Like we get stuck on it. So there are times where I'm excited about something and I get that spring in my step and here it goes. And starting to even recognize that as a charge. Absolutely. And again, it's not- Great point, Grisey. It's not even to not be excited, right? Again, superficial is okay. It's okay if you're superficially excited. It's can you make sure that you frame that moment around, hey, little Adam, if you're excited now, that's cool. I just want you to know, like, this is about you getting to express yourself and I'm going to stay down here with you. And yeah, I'll enjoy that, but I'm not going to get lost on the branches of the tree. Right. So it could be craving attention. Oh, finally getting recognition or that's it. Absolutely. And then you're going to get dropped on your butt. And if you just want to grow and evolve, you're slowing down your process. So if it's really bad, Pretty it's cool. to come back to the root. And if it's really good, come back to the root and then let things play out anyway. Great call. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Ended on that. Yeah. There's some good oh, no? ones. In there. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good ones. Always. Any situation anyone's ever in, there's just, it will always show what's being asked for on the cycle. So there's a saying out there, and I have to paraphrase because I don't know it exactly. I never do. But the absence of fear is not what shows courage. It's the conquering of fear. Well, I think it's showing up in the face of fear, right? Like allowing the situation to exist, allowing yourself to be fearful and still moving forward because you know it's aligned with... That's courage. Yeah. And so I think about that because I never had fear when I was a kid. That's not a courageous kid. That's not a brave kid. It's when it starts showing up and you grab the bull by the horns. That's like when people call children enlightened. And I'm like, they act enlightened because they don't know any better. So they're just being their true selves, these young, young children. But the real enlightenment is now that you know the pain you can feel, now that you know what can be taken from you in the world of form, can you still maintain that freedom, that liberation of spirit? That's true enlightenment. That's what we're looking for here is to get over the attachments that we know exist and can be taken from us. So maybe we revisit this in about six months to a year and we see what I've done with the business side of things what I've done with spinal cord injury or neurological disorders and what I've done with the kids. Set a reminder on your phone right now to go off in six months for real. Otherwise, (laughs) with our memory, we're going to forget it in three seconds. Sounds very good. Okay. Um, That's what we'll do. So as a partner, just maybe one extra little piece here. Now I know you're going through something and for the next however long, I'm going to let you go through your process. I'm going to give you some space. I'm not going to think you're avoiding me. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm going to let you go through this. If you would like my help, you would like to talk, you want anything from me, like just let me know. Otherwise, I'm just going to hold space for you to go through your process. That's your gift, Adam. That's your magic. I can't imagine anybody else in the world that would allow somebody to go through a process, honestly, because of their own stuff. It's your magic. So thank you. Well, I think anyone listening would be like, he would be a monster if he's not going to let her go through this. I mean, everyone. I, I actually think that there are so many spouses and so many partners and so many friends who don't allow the other to go through their process because of their own insecurities. Actually, I can roll out a list of examples of how people don't allow a partner to go through the process because of their own insecurities. Yeah, if you're living in a codependency, then you can't allow the other person to take on a different role. If I'm going through my process and I'm quiet and I kind of crawl into a hole, most people's brains are, oh my God, she's not into me. What did I do wrong? Or, hey, you're supposed to be doing A, B, and C for me. Right. Like we have a deal right, here. Right. You're supposed so, to make me feel good about myself. <laughs> but honestly, it is your magic. And I couldn't cool. imagine another person allowing me to go through. I just can't. 
What's funny is my purpose, all that I'm driven by ultimately, and it comes out in different forms. I just love people being connected to themselves, Mm -hmm. like feeling an alignment with their spirit and let that shine. So, I mean, for me, it's like I'm getting to do what I'm here to do. It's not even like it's a hard thing for me. It's you're allowing me to be me. It sure is. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully you got some magic seeds. I think we've given up on just giving one magic seed. Hopefully along the way, you've jotted down some stuff. Hopefully we get our SHIT together at some point (laughs) and maybe can like start putting this stuff in a more tangible form and having things that you guys can come to on a website that- Maybe uh, if I gather some business skills. That's it. We start laying down the magic seeds on a site. All right. Well, until next week, nothing but love.